0: Hello everyone, welcome back to another Art of Thomas video podcast show in where I talk about the articles that I'm writing for the art of Thomas.wordpress.com, Thomas with no H. Um, and if you want to get all the articles straight to your email, just join the Substack, art of Thomas.substack.com and then it's completely free, and you can get all the articles straight to your email. Anyway, today, today it's not, I'm gonna talk about something that doesn't make me happy at all, unfortunately. I call this article on the intentional redefinition of words and their dangers. Yes, I know it's a bit of a long article, but
1: I believe this topic needs to be addressed, okay? So, where to start? Okay, so my favorite
0: book is George Orwell's 1984. I read it for the first time when I was around 20 years old, and it gave me a chill all the way through my spine. I finished the book and I was almost shaking because Orwell presents such a vivid um, representation of how bad things can get when the wrong people are in power. And he tells us very clearly the tactics
1: that they would use to achieve this. So, every time I see
0: something in real life that reminds me of the strategies that the party was using in 1984, I get very scared. That's, that is true. And one thing that Orwell
1: warns us, warns us in his masterpiece is... It has to do with language and how the people in power
0: intentionally misuse language and they change the meaning of the words to suit their needs and use them
1: as weapons. So today, I want to talk about the term anti-vaxxer, okay, because... When I first was aware of this term, it was it
0: had a very specific very specific and very useful definition. Anti-vaxer was used to describe a very small and marginal group of people who were against all vaccines, right? They had um, a theory. What some people call, call it a conspiracy theory, even though that term now is also being very, their definition is very loose. But their theory was that all vaccines were dangerous, and that vaccinated ch- children give them a higher risk of become be, becoming autistic, um, and that those people were the original anti-vaxxers which, you know, it's self-explanatory. They're anti-vaxxers because they don't like vaccines. Like, that is the most simple definition you can find. However, when the COVID vaccine came about, some people, even
1: from within the scientific and the medical... How do you call it? area group
0: they were raising concerns not so much about the vaccine itself but rather on um, that it was being rushed that they were saying we need more tests you know there were people that were saying this and there was a very a rather large amount of the population were you know repeating and quoting these experts they were saying hey maybe we should not rush it. And then the term anti vaxxer changed to
1: include these people. So not only the anti vaxxers are the people
0: who are anti vaccine, but at that point in time, it also included the people who were raising concerns about not enough testing. And that was the first time the definition changed. And what that, what this creates is that now the government wants something, right? They wanna push the vaccine. Now there's some people that are saying, hey, maybe we shouldn't, we should just do more testing. But now you have a word that you can use and you can put all those people together that are against you. And you can automatically label them as crazy and signal to people not to pay attention to them. And that, that is the um, thing. It's, that is why messing with language is so, so dangerous. It drives us, drives us against each other. We can't have a proper conversation. That's one of the things that drives me the most crazy of how the pandemic has been dealt, is the lack of an honest conversation. Now, the problem deepens because the term anti-vaxxer has been expanded one more time. So now, it, it not only includes the people who are against all vaccines, it includes people that are in favor of vaccination, they just want more testing. Those people are anti vaxxers, even though they are in support of 100% of the vaccinations. Now you can be completely in favor of vaccinations, you can be fully vaccinated. But if you don't support the government mandating everyone to be vaccinated, you are now in the anti vaxxer group. And I know it's something rather uh, extreme to say. So let's hear this from a high of, um, let me just say, a politician, high ranking politician from the Australian Northern Territories. And let him tell this to us. Now let's hear it from him. This is the video I found yesterday, and this is what caused me to actually have to sit down and write about it and make this video, because I just needed to say something. Let's see. Listen. All, but your rhetoric around calling people anti-vaxxers, some of whom were
1: vaccinated, has had an impact at all on vaccine take-up in parts of the territory. No. i were repeat it. If you are 18 mandate. You are absolutely anti-vax. I don't mean, care what your personal vaccination status is. If you support champion, give a green light, give
0: comfort to support anybody who argues against the vaccine, you are an anti-vaxer.
1: Absolutely, your personal vaccination status is utterly irrelevant.
0: Well, he goes on for another minute, but you get the point. Your vaccination status is utterly irrelevant. Not even like even what he says is not, you don't even need to be against the mandates. You can be fully vaccinated in full support of um, all the vaccines in existence. You can support the government, government mandating it, even, but if you give green light, if you give any sort of support to someone who is not, then you're now an anti-vaxxer. You're now in this group with all the crazy people, with all the the people that normal folk shouldn't pay attention to. This is so dangerous. This is creating rifts and divides in people's families. Because for example, I, I I don't like mandates at all. I am vaccinated. I don't like mandates. At all, I think they're horrific. Um, let's say my mom, she she wants mandates because she thinks she thinks it makes her feel safer,
1: and that's fine. But now if she supports me, if she gives me any sort of support,
0: she's now an anti-vaxxer too. So that, that creates a divide between me and her. And one of the things that Orwell warned us in his book was how the party deliberately tries to break the bonds of the nuclear family. And so I see this and I'm like, huh. Hmm. Either they don't know what they're doing, which is extremely dangerous to have someone that doesn't understand the ramifications of their own actions. That person shouldn't be in any sort of leadership or power position over anyone, or they know what they're doing and that makes them rather evil, or at least, you know, yeah. And the only word I can come up with is pretty much evil. Nah. I was talking about this with my girlfriend and her mother and they both were saying look like this it's not here this is in the northern territories so just you know which and they're pretty much brushing it off and just looking to the other side and just trying to have a good day which i understand but like it's, it's extremely dangerous what's happening. And if you look at where the pandemic was when it started and where we are now, the trend, it's incredible. Like the government is getting more tyrannical and they're attacking language itself and they're using it as a weapon, which is, is so dangerous. And I don't understand what they are thinking what they are trying to accomplish it's crazy like if you are in a position in a leadership position you can't just mandate people do what you want you have you need to have a conversation and you need to find a way to bring people to your to your side you can't just turn the whole country into an us versus them game if you do that and then you're not a leader and you shouldn't be in any sort of leadership position at all. And what I'm like, it's becoming painfully obvious to anyone who's paying attention is that these people, they, are, they can't be in positions of leadership. They're not leaders. They're not trying to lead us.
1: Anyway, I just want to also finish with um,
0: some quotations that I found that I thought they were very insightful um, to help us navigate through this uncharted territory. Anyway, let's take a look. So this is from 1984. This is a scene where the main character is speaking with someone. Okay. Yeah, no, I forgot to, to mention this before one of the things that Orwell tells us in 1984 when he's talking about language and how they use language as weapons,
1: he makes a very clever thing where everything the
0: government says, it's quite literally the opposite. For example, the ministry of truth is the branch of the government that is in charge of censorship the ministry of peace is the one that wages war and the most dreadful of them all is the ministry of love is in charge of literally torturing people you know of course Orwell is taking this to its maximum Thing, but he's warned us like hey if we continue on this track this is where we're going And I thought that was brilliant because a lot of things that we see today start to resemble uh, and it is really scary I watched the movie 1984 a few days ago and I almost broke in tears when I first read the book in my early 20s I was very scared. When I watched the movie again after a few days, a few days ago, I almost cried because the world now is much closer to the dystopia that Orwell described than it was when I first read it. In these last 10 years, we have not moved away from this nightmare. We actually have moved closer. Now, how close that Depends, everyone should come to their own conclusions in that area. But I do think we can all agree that we have moved closer and that we shouldn't. Anyway, in the scene where the main character who works for the Ministry of Truth is speaking to another character. And this other character tells him, The revolution will be complete when language is perfect." And during the conversation, this character is bragging on how every time they release the new edition of the dictionary, it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. They keep banning words. They keep just getting rid of them. And he said, just imagine, you know, he says this like, hopefully and gleefully, in the future, People won't even be able to have this conversation. And if you look at today's world, where they're changing the meaning of some words, there's uh, the list of words you cannot say. It's growing and growing. You know, it's uh, Orwell was a very insightful person. That's all I will say. He was very good at reading the strategies and to know where it all was going. That's why 1984 is such a frightening book because it, it's too real. It's something that actually could happen. The other is one that I love. It says, in a time of universal deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. I love that phrase so much that if you go now to my, to my page, I actually put it there. You can't really read it because of the color, so I need to find a better way to make it more readable, but it's there. I, I, I believe in this so much. And then the last one is, we have now sunk to a depth at which the restatement of the obvious is the first duty of intelligent men. And that's why I'm making this, this video. You know, I, I like to tell a story. I think I told it in another video. But imagine a forest, a forest in flames. All the animals run away from their homes, and they just look there, watching their homes being burned to ashes. And they're all crying, sobbing, and saying, oh, God, why? All the animals are doing this except a little hummingbird. And the hummingbird goes to the lake. And in his little beak, he grabs a few drops of water and goes to the fire and drops them. And he just do this, he does that over and over, over and over, to the lake, to the fire, to the lake, to the fire. Until the animals, the other animals come and they, and they ask him, why are you doing this? You will never put out the fire. You can't do it. Why are you wasting your time and your energy? And the hummingbird looks at them and he only
1: says, I'm doing what I can. And that's why I tell people, because a lot of
0: people, they just say to me, tell me, there's nothing we can do. I disagree. There are things we can do. They just appear to be so small that we chose not to do them because we think, oh, it's not going to make a difference. Well, it, it, it doesn't matter if it makes a difference or not. We have to do what we can. And that's why I'm making this video. That's why I created the, the website. And that's why I'm putting all what I'm seeing in writing and out there, available for everyone. Uh, I just want to finish with a quote from... I can never pronounce this person's name. It's German. I think it's Martin Niemüller. I'm not sure. I'm sorry. But he wrote this during the Second World War. Uh, it just, every time I read it, it breaks my heart. But I think people should pay attention to these words. First, they came for the socialist. And I did not speak out. Because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists. And I did not speak out. Because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews. And I did not speak out. Because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me. And there was no one left to speak for me.
1: And this is the problem in a nutshell. We don't want to speak out. We see injustice, but we wish to turn a blind eye because it's not affecting us directly. Well, the problem is that if you just wait until they come for you, there'll be no one, no one left. Right now, I feel like we're living under... Um, under a government that has, has been turned more tyrannical than I ever
0: felt it in my lifetime. I think this is only the beginning and I think we should speak out against injustice where we see it. I don't think turning a blind eye has ever worked in history and I know it's inconvenient and I know that it. we all w- wish we can just go out and play under the sun and not have to worry about this stuff.
1: But I think we have to. I think it's our duty. Yeah. I'm just going to end with a
0: quotation, one of my own, the one that I used to end this article on. And then I'm just going to play you a little video at the end. So I finish the article with this line. I feel duty bound by my inner moral compass to say things as I see them. Honesty
1: above everything else, all the rest will follow. And that's that. Now the video that I'm gonna show you, you can find it on my website, If you go to
0: the Making Sense section and you scroll down to the 1984, where I recommend everyone to watch the movie and read the book, I think it's a very, very important piece of literature. And here we have George Orwell in one of his final interviews explaining to us why he wrote the book. I think this is very, very important. It's a short video, it's only two minutes long. So let's just watch
1: it, and that will be the end. By the time Orwell married Sonia Brownell, 1984 was written. After which he would never leave his bed again. (laughs) But we left one final warning. 1984 is, I believe, a quite terrifying masterpiece, so terrifying, in fact, I don't think I should like to read another like it. I am not absolutely dissatisfied with it. I think it's a good idea, but the execution would have been better if I had not been under the influence of TB when I wrote it. You once claimed that you have an ability to face unpleasant facts. Is that what you demonstrated in 1984 by drawing an accurate portrait of the future? I think that allowing for the book being after all a parody, something like 1984 could actually happen. This is the direction the world is going in at the present time. In our world, there will be no emotions except fear, rage, triumph and self-abasement the sex instinct will be eradicated we shall abolish the orgasm there will be no loyalty except loyalty to the party but always there will be the intoxication of power always at every moment there will be the thrill of victory the sensation of trapping on an enemy helpless. If you want a picture of the future, imagine a boot stamping on a face. The moral to be drawn from this dangerous nightmare situation is a simple one. Don't And there you have it. Again, these are not
0: the kind of videos I wish I was making. I wish I could make more videos about technology and how hopeful we can be with it for the future. But I just cannot see the way things are going and say nothing. I can't. For better or for worse, it's who I am. Anyway, thank you for watching or listening if you made it this far. If you haven't, I completely understand. I'll see you on the next one, hopefully. Have an amazing day. Enjoy. Have fun. You know, don't let them take away your smile. I always love the phrase from the movie Vive for from, from Vendetta, where the character says, A revolution without
1: dancing is a revolution not worth having. So, goodbye.